Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Discover a new educational and interactive podcast, Stories for Kids by Lingo Kids. Our episodes are packed with fun activities. Right, Elliot? Oh, yes! We went shape hunting around the block, and we found spheres and cubes on the street. That was great fun. Join Stories for Kids, the Lingo Kids podcast, inspiring you to learn while having fun. Listen to Stories for Kids on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. Download the DraftKings app today, and new customers can bet $5 and get $150 in bonuses instantly. Use promo code VSIN when you sign up. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for full terms and conditions. A big thanks to our first guest of the day, Kelly Bidlin, joining us in studio, part of the Long Shots team here at VSIN, both he Wes Reynolds, Matt Brown, all of their plays up online at vcin.com. In about a half hour, we'll check in. Actually, in 15 minutes, we'll check in with Jared Smith, one of our vcin analysts, talking at the college football Big Ten conference this year, Penn State in particular, as well as some Major League Baseball for later on today. But right now, I'm all, let's transition into the NFL. Our preview for today, it's the San Francisco 49ers, one of the more intriguing teams of this offseason. You and I have yet to talk about just how we view the, the overall perception, you know, kind of compared to reality here, where you, where you have a quarterback in Brock Purdy who... Rises to prominence last year, then gets injured. And with all the amazing parts on that team, the big question is quarterback. And so with a a team that now comes back, favored to win the NFC West, what do you make of this Niners team entering 23? I love this team. I think they're one of really four to five teams that can win the Super Bowl. I I think them in Philadelphia are head and shoulders above everybody in the NFC. I know people point to the fact that Brock Purdy's coming off the UCL surgery and how much of an impact could that have on him in terms of what he's able to do. But to me, Ben, when you look at this Niners team, they are the deepest team in football from a talent standpoint, minus the quarterback position. Nobody else comes close to them. Just real quickly, if just looking at the roster, okay, you've got Kittle at tight end. He's uh, If you go by the ESPN Plus rankings on executives, coaches, and scouts, where they rank these guys, he's mm-hmm. rated number two. Trent Williams rated number one. Christian McCaffrey at running back rated number one. I'm um, Excuse me, rated number two behind Nick Chubb. Nick Bosa won. Um, Fred Warner, number one. This team is loaded. I mean, th- this team is unbelievable. I haven't even mentioned arguably the best weapon in football, which is Debo Samuel, whether you put him in the tailback position, the wide receiver yep. position. Brandon Ayuk is criminally underrated in terms of what he's able to do. Jawan Jennings has been a nice receiver for this team. I-, I absolutely love this team. And, you know, that didn't even mention, not to mention Elijah Mitchell as a backup. He's a great running back as well. To me, they could put about 20 guys at quarterback in San Francisco, and this team still got a chance to win the Super Bowl. Everything to me, like every box is checked. Even, even yeah. the quarterback in Brock Purdy, I don't, I don't have the same concerns that other people do because same here. in that system, as much pre-snap motion that Kyle Shanahan uses, if, if like I would still, I still been making the argument, and I went down, I bet heavily on the Niners in that NFC Championship game loss to Philadelphia. But Brock Purdy gets rid of the ball a half second earlier on that first drive of the game. 
I still believe San Francisco goes out and beats Philadelphia. Of course, the whole tenor changes when Purdy gets knocked out. Yeah. Game flips. Niners didn't have a quarterback. But the one, I think the one concern you would probably have is offensive line, right? Where with Trent Williams being back at left tackle, the rest of that group has been somewhat untested. And like PFF ranks them 18th best offensive line in football. It's probably accurate to say about a mid-tier group where the rest I view as elite across their well, positions. I'll tell you why I don't put that much stock in PFF's grades. Some of the players and the way they rank them, and then you see some of the contracts that they get signed in the offseason. Obviously, they're looking at something different than general <laughs> right. managers, scouts, and teams. So, for me, I kind of throw it out the window. You're right. If you're going to point to a little bit of a weakness, it might be their uh, offensive line is probably their second biggest issue. Cornerback, they lose Jimmy Ward. I think he went to Houston as a free agent. I, I think he wound up there. But overall, one other thing I didn't mention, they add in Javon Hargrave. Now, I'm not necessarily ready to sign off with you in the NFC Championship game where the, if Purdy doesn't get hurt, that the Niners win. I, I get it's, an, it's a bit of an overstatement. No, 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 but. it's not necessarily. I think they're both very competitive. I think they're head and shoulders above everyone else. But to me, where San Francisco is slightly better now than the Philadelphia Eagles is, not only do you get a top defensive tackle in a Hargrave, but you get someone that you take away a centerpiece from the Philadelphia Eagles, sure. your biggest competition at this point in time. And then you get a healthy Eric Armstead. You've got Drake Jackson on that defensive front. Look, with McCaffrey's ability to run the ball, and I love the fact that Shanahan's one of these smart coaches that runs the ball constantly, this team is right there. I mean, let's be real here. They were 60 minutes away from winning the Super Bowl. And against Kansas City a couple of years ago, I mean, they're a big one time. Pass. One pass. Exactly. Th this team is right there. John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan have done a tremendous job of assembling the team that they have. I think they've got a great shot. I I'm a little bit surprised by these odds we're looking at at DraftKings right now. Niners are 425 to win the NFC. I love these odds on this team. Everyone wants to talk Seattle. Ben, if you break down the three times they played the Hawks last year. Oh. The first half in the in the playoff game. They had, a, they had a lead. Uh, it was a minor lead against the against the 49ers. The Seahawks did. It was their best half of football out of the out of the six halves of football that they played against the 49ers. San Francisco destroyed them in the second half. The Niners get, um, excuse me, Seattle gets a late garbage touchdown. They dominated the other four halves when they played them in the regular season. Seattle's not on the 49ers level. I, people, please continue to bet the Seahawks all day, every day. Don't stop. I mean, to me, it's I, I find it to be absurd. Yes, the receiving core is good. The, Fine, if you like Geno Smith. Geno Smith was terrible for about the first seven years of his career. But San Francisco is just a different level team compared to the Seattle Seahawks. This team right now with adding Hargrave, with Nick Bosa uh, going to get a big-time contract, this team, to me, I would make them the favorite to win the NFC despite the uncertainty as quarterback. Here's the other thing. Trey Lance is a guy that could potentially give you something that you don't expect. Anything you get out of him is a bonus. If he's in short yarded situations to be able to run the ball with McCaffrey back there with Debo yeah. Samuel, you imagine you line that up there with Lance Debo and Christian McCaffrey. Forget about it. Yeah. It, well, it's such a good point because the general consensus in the way we process Trey Lance because of how he was drafted is, well, if he's not a starting quarterback, if on your franchise, then it's a total busted and a wasted pick. Whereas is it, the, is it this the one team where knowing the uncertainties about Lance and we have no idea still, as far as the recovery from his injury is going, even if the reports are positive, isn't he the perfect guy? Like, isn't San Francisco the perfect team for a guy like Lance who is, is still limited in his growth as a quarterback, but can still contribute in a lot of different ways than he could have say he was thrown in on the Detroit lions this year or, or the Atlanta Falcons. Excellent point. When you look at McCaffrey, you look at Debo Samuel, whether he's lined up in the backfield or on the perimeter, uh, Brandon, Ayuk, George Kittle, George Kittle has got to be the best run after catch 
player in the NFL uh, after contact. Uh, Travis Kelsey's probably as good as anybody in terms of catching the ball and getting up field, but Kittle is a guy you have a hard time bringing down, and he's a much better inline blocker than Travis Kelsey is. To me, you're absolutely right. It's a much better situation and circumstance for him to be in than some other team just simply based on the talent that they have around him. Now, I will tell you one under-the-radar loss that they have for this team is Robbie Gold. Robbie Gold is an incredibly accurate kicker. The leg strength was no longer there outside of the 45-yard line, but I still think Robbie Gold is a kicker that was extremely beneficial for this team when you look at when you needed a field goal in a pressure situation. Is one of those been there, done that for a long time. I mean, this team gets to play the Rams twice, the Cardinals twice. Uh, they do play Minnesota, which won't be easy. But again, that's a home game. This is a team right now to me that's in a great position. They should have a fantastic season. The game December 3rd at the link in Philadelphia will be crucial to potentially mm-hmm. seeing which team gets home field advantage. Season win total over under 10 and a half at minus 145. I, I promise you one thing. They will not have a loss in the schedule this year the way they did against the Bears in week one. This team is far better. The, the the season win total is at 10 and a half. So somebody out there thinks the Niners are going 10 and seven. Seven losses. Yeah. I mean, who made that? Who made that total? Mike Nolan, somebody who was <laughs> fired by the Niners, Jim Harbaugh. I mean, it doesn't make any sense. Tell me why the San Francisco 49ers who talent wise, if you are any GM, you say, take away Patrick Mahomes, just give me the Niners roster. They have the best roster in football minus the quarterback position. I've said that many times. It's not even close. They have six to seven players that are in the top two or three in the NFL at their respective positions. I was expecting you to go with a Jim Tom Sula reference, but oh, yeah. you, let, you let me down. That's, that's okay. That Mike Nolan, not a bad – any guy who wears a suit on the sideline. Uh, is hey, it, don't make fun of him. I would probably show up in a suit. I, I mean, I, don't, <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't hate it at the time either. Uh, the, the, if you're talking about concerns for San Francisco, mention some of the, the issues with durability on the offensive line. It's a team that in general, for whatever reason, them all under head coach Kyle Shanahan has had a lot of injuries. They've been a very banged-up team. And they have three. Di- they have a lot of weird scheduling spots this year. They have three different weeks where their opponent is coming off a bye, yeah. including one week where they're playing on a short week off Monday Night Football. I believe it's that uh, that uh, Cincinnati game where the Bengals are off a bye. So I don't know how much stock you put into, into those short weeks, and just and and in general, not the specific spot, but just how it is extrapolated over the course of a regular season, and and how if if at all, if at all based on the history there with some injuries based on some of those tough scheduling spots that would worry you at any point as, as far as that win total goes. Well, look, if you lose to the Bengals at home, it's not the worst thing in the world. Number one, Cincinnati's one of those teams that I would consider for the Super Bowl. The other thing is, and a lot of people at Vison, I think what was 75% of the people in the guide yeah. picked the Bengals to win the Super Bowl. Great team this year. However, to me, they're non-conference, so it doesn't really hurt you big picture-wise. Yes, you never want to have a loss, but overall, when you look at this thing, they've got to win that game against the Eagles. They've got the uh, Seahawks at home in late December. They do play in Seattle uh, earlier in the year. I'm, I'm just trying to see the exact date in which they play the Seahawks. Actually, they play they play twice Wait, in three uh, weeks, November yeah. 23rd. On, on They play on Thanksgiving night up in Seattle. So that'll be a raucous crowd. But they've got a three-week stretch where if they beat the Hawks, beat the Eagles, and here's the advantage. Remember, they play on Thanksgiving and then they'll have an additional three days right. before they play the Eagles in Philadelphia. So I like where this team is at. They've got a great opportunity this year. Uh, this team, to me, is going to be somewhere in that 13 to 14 win range. And it's one of those things where because so much of the focus, and you think about national narrative, is on the quarterback, how important that position is to a team. It, it, I, I believe, and we agree on this point, Amal, that because of that, the strength of the rest of that roster does not get talked about enough. And as a result in the betting market, it's why you see a win total like a 10 and a half out there. That probably should be a flat 11 if we're being honest.
10 and a half right now, minus 145 on that over. That wraps up our first hour on the show here on VEASAN Sharp Money. We'll talk a little baseball, a little college football with our guy Jared Smith, VEASAN analyst on the other side, right here on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. We all know about the speed of sound, but have you ever thought about the sounds of speeding? If you drive over the speed limit, there are lots of sounds that you might hear. You could hear the sound of your vehicle crashing, the sound of first responders desperately trying to save you. You could even hear the sound of people crying at a funeral because if you drive over the speed limit, you could do damage that's beyond repair. One way or another, speeding catches up with you, paid for by NHTSA. We're back on Sharp Monday. Big thanks to Jared Smith for stopping by with his college football yes run, no run. First inning thoughts on Major League Baseball as well as Kelly Bidlin from a little bit earlier on the golf U.S. Uh, the Open Championship, 151st Open starting tonight. And we'll have uh, Zach Cohen coming on them all in about 45 minutes. Excited for a combo. We'll get a little uh, U.S. Open tennis futures thoughts as well as some NBA thoughts for this upcoming season. But right now, ready for this Big yes. 12 preview? Let's do it. All right, Texas, Oklahoma, they are your favorites to enter the 2023-24 season atop that Big 12 conference. Texas plus 105, OU plus 340. And it is interesting from that perspective, Amal, where we talked earlier about how the head-to-head win total, minus 110 for each. Granted, this is winning the actual Big 12 title game. But it is interesting to me, Amal, that you have such a, a divide there on the odds board when they are basically a pick em as far as the head-to-head win totals this year. Yeah, I mean, it really is surprising when you see the numbers right now. Texas plus 105, OU plus 340, and then you go K-State 5-1 to and then go double digits with everyone else in the league. But, uh, you know, Oklahoma State's always done well when there's not much expected from them. I'm not saying that the Cowboys are going to have a big year. Uh, but Texas, look, this is a team that's got an opportunity to really have a great season. And I'll tell you what, Ben, you're going to see and get an idea of what the horns can be, and the expectations could change drastically if they pull out a victory in Tuscaloosa in the second weekend of the season, that game September, I think it's September 9th is going to be the marquee game of that weekend. And it's really going to be a measuring stick game from Texas last year. If yours doesn't get hurt in that game, I believe they beat Alabama, but different situation, different story now going on the road to Tuscaloosa. And that's probably why for those of you wondering, okay, yeah. why are the odds so different when the win total are the same, or the win total head to head is the same. And that's largely because of that non-con for Texas, where you go, to T-Town uh, and Alabama, and we've seen a lot of, there's been a lot of respected money come in in the Heisman market them all on Quinn Ewers. He's been bet down to about 12 to 1. There have been all the off-season workout videos where never no, nobody ever looks out of shape in the summer workout videos uh, there. Also, how much stock do you put into all, all the hype we're getting around Ewers now that he's back for another year? Well, look, I think he's pretty good, and it was funny. You know, he wanted to be a, given a guarantee he was going to start a sophomore year at Ohio State. That's why he transferred. It was like, dude, you got a guy with the number two pick in the draft. Let's see if you can get to that level first. Uh, but Nobody's going to post a photo of them looking like they're, you know, 40 LBs overweight and they look like they should miss their next 18 I think meals. It, is it, is it, I think Eddie Lacy is the only one who has ever had a off-season photo posted of him that looked unflattering. I, I don't remember. Uh, it was the it was one of the Packer Packer uh, workout. Why no, remembers very well where he he looked like he had uh, he'd been sitting on the couch nonstop. <laughs> Unfortunately, he got the nickname Cheeseburger Eddie after that. Yeah. You know, it's funny. He was Those good cheese at, curds hit different. He Sorry. was good at Alabama. He just was not a guy that the scouts really valued because we saw how much success the Alabama running backs have had in the NFL, but just never really materialized in Green Bay either. I was at a Mizzou Alabama game where I'm pretty sure I could have ran Eddie Lacy first play from scrimmage 75 yards to the house. And it was a downpour. So I left immediately after that play. I just wanted to see Alabama in person, but I could have ran through the, the hole that that line created for him. There was, yeah, uh, I think Eddie Lacy played in the game when they beat Notre Dame in the national championship. 
uh, down in the Orange Bowl. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could have driven Mack trucks through the, some of those lines we saw. Yeah, no doubt. Anyway, that that gets aside from the yeah. point here because Quinn Ewers is, does look in shape. Texas looks to be really strong, nine and a half on the win total uh, for Texas this year. As as far as Oklahoma, so you, you we talked earlier, Maul, you like Texas in that head-to-head matchup uh, as far as the overall season win total. Texas OU, they're basically evenly priced, minus 110. As Oklahoma comes in, plus 340 on the odds board. And you think about Brent Venables, it was a shaky up and down first year as head coach. I remember talking to you last summer, Amal, and you, you like you thought that the talent Oklahoma had would kind of help Brent Venables in his transition in year one. It wouldn't you know, the lack of experience, so to speak, at the head coaching position wouldn't necessarily be a negative mark. Uh, what do you make now that he's back for year two, and, and now that that roster still looks to be in a position to contend for the Big Twelve, even if they are second on the odds board? Well, first of all, I like Dylan Gabriel, the transfer from uh, UCF. He got a hurt last year, didn't play consistently well. They lo- my concern is a little bit with the backfield. They still have some talent there, Gavin Sauchuk. Uh, really good, really talented. Marcus Major as well. But they lose on the perimeter. You lose Marvin Mims. Drake Stoops is back. It feels like for his 15th year. But I'll tell you one thing. Drake Stoops is tough in that slot. He gets open. He can always find that the little gap in the defense. If they can get him utilized, he should have a big season for the Sooners. Offensive line is generally a sturdy place for Oklahoma. I have some concerns and question marks there. Uh, but overall, I think Venables, as he continues his time in Norman, the defense is going to be good. They got a transfer in Deshaun McCullough from Indiana. This was a kid who was supposed to go to Ohio State, ended up going to Indiana because his dad was on the staff at IU. Transfers out of IU. He's going to be big time for them in the linebacker position. Sophomore transfer. I think he should have an immediate impact for them. This is a team that needs to get off to a fast start, and it's very capable. Arkansas State, SMU, who offensively is always solid. Uh, Tulsa in a, in a game in-state, which is a bit of a rivalry game for Tulsa playing Big Brother. And that game is in Tulsa. At Cincinnati as well. Remember, that's a conference game now with yep. the Bearcats joining the Big 12. Iowa State. And then, of course, that first Saturday in October. I, I'm going to tell you, I said this yesterday or two days ago. If you're a college football fan, and I know a lot of fans do this, they go to, like, maybe they go to South Bend for a game or they go to other places. The best game in college football, and I covered college football for a long time. If you're a neutral observer and you want to go to game, without question, the best game is Texas OU at the State Fair. I mean, you've got half the stadium is crimson and cream, burnt orange on the other side. It's usually about a 75-degree day in Dallas at 11 o'clock kickoff. It genuinely doesn't get any better than that in college football. And it's such a great rivalry for people that don't know. Oklahoma is actually closer to Dallas than Austin is. And you look at this, these are the two marquee programs in the Big 8 and the Big 12 for a long, long time. But to me, that's going to be the measuring stick game. The rest of the schedule is manageable. And the one challenge, and I think what benefits Texas and Oklahoma in the Big 12, is they don't play these games on campus. In the Big 12, because a lot of the stadiums at Iowa State, at Cincinnati, at uh, Stillwater, um, in Kansas, Kansas State, they're not as big. You don't end end up in those environments where you can't hear, where you can't audible. It's a huge advantage for teams that are so offensively driven in this league. I think Sooners have a good chance to really be there, but we'll find out who they are on September 7th in Dallas. No question, and that's why Oklahoma right now, plus 340, second fiddle to Texas on the preseason odds board at plus 105. What do you make of the the championship game winner from last year in K-State where they have this dream season under head coach Chris Kleiman, come back now 5-1 to of the Wildcats as that third choice to win the conference? Will Howard's back under center for this team. Uh, at, at the quarterback position. You look at this team overall, though, they're very good, very solid. The one concern I have is they can they be consistent in the tight, tough games? They, they've got a ton of guys back defensively. Uh, excuse me. They lose a ton of guys on defense. They lose seven starters or six starters on defense. That's an area I have concern with. Uh, offensively, they should be solid. They're going to play their game. They're going to do what they want to do. They're going to pick their spots in terms of where they throw the football. 
Uh, but I, I think this is a dangerous team. And Kleiman's one of the best coaches around. They've, they've got Treshawn Ward, the transfer from Florida State, who's going to be the tailback for them, Ben. I like this team. Um, they're not a bad bet at 5-1. to one. And when you look at the Power 5 right now, outside of the uh, Pac-12, mm-hmm. I think Kansas State is probably one of your better bets at 5-1 to one that's got odds better than 3-1 to one on a team to win sure. a league. Well, I, I think they're very dangerous. Just think about how the – and we'll get into it in our second segment because yeah. we'll do t- two segments here on the Big 12 yeah. with all the additional teams coming in that we'll see for the first time in that conference. But in general, when you think of the Big 12, you think – High-powered, air-raid offenses, high-scoring affairs. And K-State, I've always gotten the sense, especially this goes back to the Bill Snyder days and especially since Chris Kleiman has taken over as head coach, such a uniquely difficult team to prepare for when you think about the context of the rest of the Big 12 slate. And I don't know how, how that generally gets priced in them all, but sometimes it's one of those things that you can't really factor that in in your numbers. But to me, it's always a big factor that we generally don't talk about enough. No, I would agree with you. I think it's a really good point. When you go into Manhattan, sometimes the wind can be a factor. You have tremendous wind gust in that part of the country as you get into later October and November. But you're right. They're not a traditional type of team. When you think about Oklahoma offensively, Texas Tech, what you see out of them, Oklahoma State, these teams want to spread you out, get the ball in the perimeter, go big plays when the opportunities present themselves. I like the schedule. Remember they had Missouri last year at home? I thought it was one of the cheapest prices on the line we'd seen that. all year. Um, you got SEMO. You open up with SEMO. You've got Troy. Trojans are always competitive, but this is a game K-State should win. They go down to Como. I think this is a game, Ben. They should win this one. And then you get to start, get the test. UCF at home, I like them in that spot. But then you got to buy. You go to Stillwater at Lubbock. Even when the Red Raiders aren't particularly strong, it's always tough going into Lubbock. The schedule on the back half becomes a little bit more challenging. TC, excuse me, uh, Texas, uh, November 4th in Austin. That's always a competitive game with those two teams. You close out with Iowa State. So a pretty good schedule for this team. You miss Oklahoma. You get the horns in Austin, which depending on where Texas is mentally at that point in time, I think Kansas State's a really, really dangerous team and not a bad play at all, 5-1. to one. Then one of the factors, remember, the Big 12 is going to take the two teams with the best record. There's no divisional no division, pairing. Yep. Yep. So it gives you an advantage if they get to the conference championship game. No team in this league is going to be more than a seven-point favorite over anyone else in Jerry World. So you've got an opportunity to take the other side on the money line, even it's if it's team. a higher price. Yeah, and even just if you wanted to bet the win total, you're getting, at least at DraftKings, you're getting plus 140 on an over eight and a half. Yeah, I, I think I that's mean, a very manageable number. Yeah. Nine wins for Kleiman's team when you look at the non-con. Very, very manageable. They should go undefeated in the non-conference schedule. And and the one problem right now in the Big 12 is the lack of consistency from defensive sides of the ball for most teams. That's where I think Kansas State becomes even more dangerous. Sure. They're going to play fundamentally the way they want to. Will Howard coming back helps this team immensely. It's all, yeah, having especially having a quarterback in yeah. that system who is used to what they want to run. A big thing for Kansas State coming back. 5-1 to one is the third favorites. When we return, we'll talk about the two teams that are on K-State's schedule right below them in the odds board. Texas Tech, TCU. Is them all buying the Red Raiders or Horn Frogs then? We'll talk about the newcomers into the conference. Interesting year for UCF, BYU, Cincinnati, Houston. What do we expect out of those teams in 2023? That's next as our Big 12 preview continues on Sharp Money. This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. Download the DraftKings app today and new customers can bet $5 and get $150 in bonuses instantly. Use promo code VEASAN when you sign up. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for full terms and conditions. By the way, Amal, two games down on the MLB slate for today. Two home dogs, two overs cash, and the latest in Baltimore. How about this? If the Texas Rangers can hold on to a 2-0 lead in the bottom of the eighth against the Rays. After Baltimore beats LA 8-5, pounded the Dodgers' Julio Urias, eight earned runs in five innings. Baltimore will be tied for first in the AL East if that holds today. Wow. 
pretty remarkable when you when you think about it. And they'll be ahead in the loss column. They will. Yes, they they right now. If, if this holds. Uh, Baltimore will be two back in the win column, two ahead in the loss column. So they would be ahead technically of Tampa Bay on percentage points. But uh, what a what a run this has been for Baltimore. You you had a thought earlier that in the week that potentially Otani could be a dark horse candidate to go to Baltimore. Well, yeah, just because they've got the draft picks or the, excuse me, yeah. the, the players in the farm system and the capital. But I tell you what, if you're the Rays, I would make the move as well. Uh, to me right now, I get Atlanta's playing extremely well. But I would be all in. I would take the risk. I think it's worth it at this point in time to be able to take a shot and go at uh, winning the World Series this year. Because outside of Atlanta, they don't have that frontline pitching that you're worried about. You know, it's not like you're sitting there with the way Blake Snell and Joe Musgrove are pitching right now that you're facing those types of starters. Sure. So I would go for it if I could get an Otani. No, no point on resting on your laurels with, no. with how good the teams at the top are this year in yeah. Major League Baseball. Uh, Orioles win is about a consensus dollar twenty-five underdog over nine. There with Dean Kramer and the Orioles beating Julio Urias and the Dodgers. We'll have more baseball thoughts in a little bit. We continue our Big 12 football previews, though, for this 2023 season. We've already talked about the teams at the, at the top of them all. Three teams, single digits on the odds board. Texas, Oklahoma, Kansas State. What about a couple of Texas schools who are in that, that mid-teens range? TCU expected to have a drop-off after their magical run to the national title game, 16-1. to And there's the Red Raiders in Lubbock at 12-1. to You, you, you bullish on either of those two teams in that sort of attractive mid-tier pricing. You're, you're, they're a pseudo-long shot, but odds makers at least view them to be competitive on paper this year. Yeah, they do, but I'm not necessarily buying uh, t- Texas Tech at 12-1. to I feel like that number's a little bit short on them. Uh, that's not a team right now that I would be looking to bet. TCU is interesting. They're going to have, you know, right now there's some question marks at quarterback. They've got Chandler Morris, who's an Oklahoma transfer. Uh, you've got Josh Hoover's a kid that they've recruited. And then you've got Chance Nolan, Oregon State transfer as well. So it'll be wide open in terms of where they go with the quarterback position. But they add in receivers like JoJo Earl from Alabama. Uh, this team offensively is going to be pretty good under Sonny Dykes. Uh, Gillespie, the defense coordinator, obviously didn't have two particularly good games in the college football playoff. They've got to get better on the defensive side of the ball, Ben. That's an area I have serious concerns with right now with the Horn Frogs. Because you talked about it earlier. In this league, we know people can score the football. And if you can't defend, you're going to be, you don't have yep. to be great defensively. But you have to at least be competent. And right now, I have some concerns about TCU defensively. Uh, they do have a ton of starters back on defense. They've got eight starters back from last year's team. Offensively, a big drop-off with only three starters returning. But I still think with Dykes, he's such a good offensive coach. And they open with Colorado, which is a great game for them at home. Uh, Nichols, and then they go to Houston. Dana Holgerson's team season win total sitting about four and a half. A lot of question marks surrounding the Cougars this year. SMU in the skillet game at home this year. Uh, you get the Mounties, who, by the way, how Neil Brown still has a job in Morgantown, <laughs> I have no idea. I have no idea. Look, I grew up in a time where the Mounties played for a national championship against Notre Dame. Pat's, uh, Pat White and uh, yep. uh, Steve Slayton is one of the best combinations of tailback and quarterback I've ever seen. And this program has just taken an absolute nosedive now in terms of where they're at. So for me, the Mounties are another one where they can win. I, I think TCU could be a lot better than people realize uh, just because of the amount of time they have to ramp up and get ready. And the schedule works out nicely. Yes, you go to Ames. It's never easy going into Ames. But I think this team can be dangerous as long as they get consistency at the quarterback position. It is a somewhat lazy narrative to go, well, there was a team that came out of nowhere, made yeah. a run to the playoffs, so they just have to regress and be bad this next year. That doesn't have to work out that way. Seven and a half, by the way, is the win total juiced over at minus 130. Yeah, I, I don't know. You Look, you can argue, you can argue against it. But they do the schedule on the back half gets really, really challenging. Ben, the last five weeks of the season uh, at Kansas State, never an easy game. Up in Lubbock, as I mentioned, they play a ton of tight games with the Red Raiders. Then you got the Horns down in Austin the following week, Baylor in uh, at home, and then you close out in Norman. 
And I'll tell you what, historically, when Gary Patterson was there, this team has had success against the Sooners when Oklahoma was far more talented. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I just think that the back half of the schedule is going to be challenging. The seven and a half is a tricky number. And like I said, you can make the argument for an under, you can make the argument for an over. But to me, if the confidence is there and they can steal these games at Kansas State will be tough. But at Texas Tech and the Baylor games, even the Texas game at home is very winnable. They've dominated the Horns for the last 10 years. So an opportunity for them in this uh, rivalry there. The first two Big 12 games in the conference against West Virginia, who's won 50-1 to and Houston 200-1, to the two longest shots yeah. in the Big 12. Uh, real quick, Amal, the one other team that's sub-20-1 to is the Baylor Bears, who were a popular preseason pick last year. Got off to a solid start and then just fell apart under Dave Aranda as the head coach. Lost their final three in Big 12 play. Lost the bowl game to finish 6-7. and seven. What sort of shot do you give to the Bears this year at 18-1? to Well, Look, I, I like the Dave Aranda as a coach. I think overall, if they can be patient there, and it's never an easy place to recruit to simply because Baylor's just not the most exciting place for a student-athlete to go to, but they've done a nice job in the past. We saw what Art Briles was capable of doing. They go to Utah. It's a non-con game, so you could throw that out the schedule. But remember, they play Texas. That's not that far away. Those two schools, uh, obviously Baylor, that's an opportunity to play Big Brother. That game is at home at McLean, so that's a good opportunity for them. You get Texas Tech at home, Iowa State at home. Um, the, ben, the road games that are tougher at Kansas State and at TCU later in the season, not bad. You got Blake Shapin back under center. Uh, uh, Richard Reese also at the tailback position. I like this Baylor team in the sense that they could be a team that can pick off some teams you don't expect. I don't sure. think they can compete for the league title, but they're going to be more challenging when you're TCU and you're Kansas State and, and look at that Baylor game at home. You go, oh, we should win that game. Yes, you should win, but doesn't mean you're going to win that game. I, I think this team can wreak some havoc in certain spots. Seven and five, um, six and six, things break perfectly well. Eight and four. Uh, uh, you know, if they have a bad season, they go five and seven. Yeah, it's a win total at seven over yep. minus 120. I wouldn't have a ton of interest in betting. Should point out, though, that Utah game is at home, and it's an 11 a.m. Central kick at McLean Stadium. So, Well, Utes, remember, they're in the mountain time zone, so 10 o'clock start for them. Right. But I, I'm going to tell you, Utah, I think it's like a ridiculous 35 to one to go undefeated. I think the Utes have a ch- shot. Cam Rising bat yeah. is back. This team is dangerous. Whittingham is one of the best coaches in college football for my money. If You know, he, remember, I think he played at BYU and then he coached at Utah for the last so – he's been there since 2004. I'm sorry, 2005. He's not going anywhere, but that's a guy that I would have always looked to for a long time to hire away. And you'd think if there's any coach would have his team prepared for, for that early start time, it, it, would, be, uh, it would be him, Kyle Whittingham uh, and Utah. So Baylor 18-1 to one, uh, sitting there. Real quick, I know we're talking Big 12, but I just want to go back to Utah. You get the Gators at home. They're going to be about a 10-point favorite. I think that one yeah. is what the number is. They should beat the Gators. At Baylor, a winnable game. You got UCLA at home. You're playing at about 3,500 feet. Rice Eccles, in my opinion, outside of Autzen, is probably currently the best home field advantage in the Pac-12. When the Huskies are going, no better place than Seattle to play. It, you cannot hear yourself thinking Husky Stadium. And there's another place, if you've never been, the best aesthetics in college football. Nothing better than Lake Washington and Husky Stadium at, at 1230 on a Pac-12 kickoff there. And then you got USC on the 21st. That's going to be the game. Back-to-back, you get SC at home, then Oregon comes calling. If they can win those games back-to-back, they got a chance. I'm not worried about going up to Seattle. I know everyone loves Michael Penix. I'm not as high on him. Their receiving core is tremendous. Top three receiving core, in my opinion, in college football at UW. But I still think the physicality of this Utes team, they're a dangerous team. I'm all out on the uh, the Washington Huskies. As you like to say, uh, yeah, I, I look, they're a good team. They could be nine and three, 10 and two, but I just think that Utah and SC are better than right. them.
a lot of hype as well on, yeah. that, on that off season. Uh, just to, to kind of tie the knot yeah. here on the on the rest of the Big Twelve, we look at some Sorry of the longer that. shots. Oh, no, you're you're good. Yeah. I I'm curious how you view these newcomers, uh, how they will look in the Big Twelve in year number one in the conference. UCF sitting thirty five to one, BYU eighty to one, Cincinnati now with Scott Satterfield taking over at head coach is one twenty to one. What are your expectations for that grouping? Odds makers certainly don't believe much in the way of actually competing to win the title. Yeah, you know what? To me, right now, when you look at these teams, let's start with Cincinnati. I think they're they're going to be in serious peril this year, only because they just don't have the talent on the team right now. That's that's the biggest concern I have when you look at them. They're just, the cupboard is bare. Luke Fickle obviously leaves to go to uh, Wisconsin. That's going to be a huge blow in terms of where this Bearcats team is. Um, the other thing you mentioned, UCF. I, look, they're a solid team in the American Conference, but now you're stepping up in competition. You're going on the road every week. It's not going to be easy when you look at this team in terms of what they're able to do, but I like Gus Malzahn as a coach. I think he can be really dangerous in terms of what his teams do. And he's a guy that's going to – the problem I have with Gus Malzahn is they're going to lose a game that they should win, and they're going to win a game they should lose. That, yeah. That's what you're going to get out of UCF at certain times throughout the course of the season. Uh, but, again, they're still a little bit ways away, but they're going to have an advantage. They're going to be able to start recruiting in other places maybe they didn't in the past, which is Texas. You still get to live in Orlando and Central Florida, great weather. And then you've got that spread offense that Malzahn runs. I think offensively you can say whatever you want about them defensively, inefficiencies – but they're still an elite team offensively. And remember, he took Auburn to a national championship game. Uh, they did lose to Florida State, but it, they're not there yet. Right now, to yeah. be able to compete, if you're Sarkeesian, this is your league to win. There's nobody that's overwhelming. I think Kansas State's dangerous. Oklahoma, it can be dangerous. Uh, but I think potentially we're looking at a Big 12 title game of Texas and K-State. I like the the K-State number more than anything. The over. Eight and a half plus one forty. The issue with betting UCF, it's six and a half on the win total, but you got to lay a dollar seventy-five in juice. Yeah. Ma- moving to a new conference, that's not a situation I want to take on uh, headstrong there with head coach Gus Malzahn. Our breakdown of the Big Twelve is complete. We'll transition one more NFL preview for you today. That is the Green Bay Packers of the NFC North. We'll discuss next. This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. The NFL betting guide is out now, and our college football guide is coming in just a couple weeks. Only VEASAN Pro subscribers get all the tools to prep for the college and NFL seasons. Our experts provide profiles of every team with advanced stats and power ratings, plus best bets on futures and season win totals. Sign up before the end of July and receive both guides and full VEASAN Pro access all the way through the Super Bowl at an early bird discount of $175. Or sign up on a monthly subscription and get your first 30 days for only 19 bucks to see everything VEASAN has to up your betting game. This offer ends July 31st, so don't miss out on these preseason deals. Visit VEASAN.com slash subscribe to become a VEASAN Pro subscriber today. Did you know them all? We're down to 50 days from now till week one kicking off. Lions Chiefs. Yeah, I was going to say it had to be NFL. I mean, no, no, no. I'm a, I'm a big I'm a big NFL countdown guy. I, I'm like, the countdown is for Saturday, Saturday August 26th. I'm, I mean, I'm aware. I'm just giving you a, ter- it's a, it's a tertiary uh, countdown this year. Uh, and with our uh, producer, Wyatt Tomczyk, behind the glass, uh, Wyatt wanted to make sure we get this NFL preview in today, Amal, since Wyatt will not be with us uh, tomorrow, back on Friday. Uh, we welcome into the show now, Amal. Green Bay Packer owner, Wyatt Tomczyk. Uh, wow, what, what an honor this is, Wyatt. Uh, thank you for joining us, taking time out of your busy schedule there with all that uh, Packer ownership duties. You know, it's, it's, on, you it's, know? it's tough to balance, you know, the day-to-day operations to make sure, sure. one of the best sure. organizations in all of professional sports, uh, you know, runs smoothly. And I'm really happy that we're doing this with two Bears fans downstairs working that are probably just yelling at me. Not uh, not on the comms, of, of course, but uh, 
It, it warms my heart that uh, Jeremy and Matt Hicks are working. During, during the break of all, I'd asked if I had shared, since I'm from Wisconsin, and yeah. I said, no, I, I, don't, I didn't really want to sit next to a sweaty guy named Bob from Appleton uh, in the bleachers at Lambeau during oh, you the summer know, shareholder the, meeting. Oh, you used the city that you used. Oh, I said Oconomowoc. There you so. go. That's a true Wisconsin. I got friends in Oconomowoc. I didn't want to rip on, you know, I, Appleton is a little bit more. Yeah, know. I was getting ready to say he changed the name, but I didn't know the name of the other city, so I couldn't call him Here's out. Here's the thing. I, I, I have just, like, 90 Wisconsin cities floating in my name at any one given moment of all. So you might hear me throw out a Kakana from time to time or an Oosberg. I just, you know. I, I was so happy. I had to go to Wisconsin for a wedding years ago. And on the ride back to the airport to Milwaukee, we had, it was on a shuttle. It was early in the morning. So we had to pick up somebody in Oshkosh. And or, I'm sorry, uh, who was it? Ash? No, it was Sheboygan. Sorry, Sheboygan. Because that was Great always city. my example, right? Like, Sheboygan. what do you what do you got? Like a wife and two kids and you're from Sheboygan? That was like my example for everything. I was like, finally made it to Sheboygan. I love just getting more obscure and obscure. So that's well, like the real Wisconsinites. When I'm a, you know, when I start throwing out, you know, Oconto, that's when they're like, all right. Or Pemben, you know, that's when you really get crazy. So anyway, the Green Bay Packers. I'm always looking at me like I'm just a psycho. Seven and a half is the win total for this year. Everyone wants to to know how will Jordan Love do in his first year as a starter. I'm all first off, as far as the QB position goes for the Packers, what are your expectations as far as Love? I don't know, and that's the thing. You know, there's a lot of conversation around this team. I think if you're ever going to take a shot on a wild card, right? They're plus one and they make the playoffs. I think it's a good bet in this sense. We don't know what Jordan Love is, and if he's good and if he's consistent, then this team can be dangerous. You know, overall, when I look at this team, there's still talent on this roster. I know last year they had a drop off. Uh, they didn't play particularly well, but, you know, they've got one of the best still. When you look at Jair Alexander, arguably the best cover corner or top five cover. I get it if you want to make a case for Patrick Sertan or or um, the kid down in Miami, Jalen Ramsey. But to me, I like the addition of Luke Musgrave at tight end. That guy's going to be tough in short yardage situation. You maybe put him in the backfield. Um, Jaden Reed as well. I'm not as high on Christian Watson as Aaron Rodgers was, uh, but. Romeo Dobbs, I, I like him a lot. The offensive line, if they can stay healthy. By the way, I feel like Bakhtiari's injured every other day. Sure. Um, if this offensive line stays healthy with Runyon, with Myers, they, they can be pretty dangerous. Um, are you guys Aaron Jones fans? Yeah, of course. Love. I mean, are you are you like are you being facetious or are you being serious? No, Aaron Jones is a great tremendous. Great two way back. Great. He, he's, I think a, he's he, solid. He's, I mean, you guys are talking about this guy like he's well, uh, Amon Green. He. We love Ooh, some Amon Green. Be, that's a good, I mean, that's look, a good he's, argument. Come on, he's no Sam Congato, okay? Let's be let's <laughs> let's just get that right out of there. the way, all right? But Aaron Jones is is such a great pass catcher out of the backfield. They can line him up uh, in the slot or outside. I think it, what Aaron Jones brings is is a great, I would say, three way back because he's a good, uh, good pass blocker as well. I, look, I like Aaron Jones, but I mean, I by the way, the reason why I brought up Amon Green, I think he was criminally underrated when he was in Green Bay. I don't realize pe- people until you look at his stats realize how good he was. I, look, I like Aaron Jones. I mean, Aaron Jones, but to me, a lot of times, guys, their effectiveness so many times can be benefited by playing with someone like Aaron Rodgers. Sure. Uh, you can make that case, though, for the you know, the entire offensive roster. with yeah. the, Like the offensive line, that's a big question, right? Where Zach Tom got a lot of time at left tackle when Bakhtiari was out injured. Now he moves to right tackle, and you could say, all right, well, can you ding them because Rodgers got rid of the ball so quick? I would counter by saying, is there – is, is there two more factors more important to a young quarterback coming into the league and taking over starting quarterback than the strength of his O-line and the running backs to complement him? And yeah. with Green Bay, Jordan Love has that. With an O-line where if you get health from Bakhtiari, that is a top 10 unit. The combination of A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones is a legit top 10 unit as well in the running back department. 
you're, you're having to take a leap of faith on the development of Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs at that wide receiver position, plus what you're adding in a Luke Musgrave at tight end. But I at least believe that the pieces are there for love to have success. Now that he's been in the system for a few years, this is not some rookie coming out from Utah state day one, who is completely green. Like we saw him in that COVID season, filling it at Arrowhead stadium. So I, there are reasons to believe in the offense being better than people would think. Look, I think at four to one, they're a good bet to win the division. The, the one thing is if you take the Cleveland Browns in the AFC and the green Bay Packers in the NFC, to me, are the two teams that they won their respective divisions or they made a postseason push and got in would not be a surprise because I think the talent is there. With the Browns, it's a question of whether Watson could put it together consistently. With the Packers, it's how does Jordan Love develop and what does he do once he has that ability? And I don't know if it was you or White that made the point a second ago. You said he's been in the system. He's had some opportunities there. Now, if he can implement that and be effective, I think this team could be really dangerous. And one of the things that benefits this Packers team at 4-1 to one, they're, we're talking about the Detroit Lions like they're the 85 Bears. I, I, know. I, I know. I mean, look, they played well down the stretch. Yes, they did beat Green Bay, but that Packers team already looked disengaged in that matchup. I, I don't know. I'm not ready to go crazy with them. The You know, Minnesota at 275. Minnesota, what, what were they, 13-4 uh, and four last yep. year? I mean, we're talking about the Vikings like they're going to be 4-13 and 13 this year, plus 275 to win this division. You mentioned it a couple days ago. The Detroit Lions are still the Detroit Lions. Let's not act like, you know, hey, they're coming off five straight division titles, you know, four Super Bowl. I mean, what have they done? Yeah, this is not the Wayne Fonts, uh, Barry Sanders-led uh, Detroit Lions that were, la- that were last able to win a division back in the year 1993. Yeah, I mean, I-, I think there's an argument to be made on the Vikings or the Packers, even the Bears. I, I would say Bears a little bit less, but I think Justin Fields has the greatest upside of any player in this division, including Jordan Love. I don't know. I, I don't think you really go wrong. Even if the bet doesn't win, I think the Vikings and the Packers to win their respective division is not a bad bet at all. The concern I have with Minnesota is you lose a Darius Smith, you lose Dalvin cook, but with this green Bay team, if Jordan love is consistent, the, you mentioned, I was looking at Brooks, uh, uh, Aaron Jones numbers. You guys are correct. You guys are absolutely right. I was wrong. He's got a career 5.1 yards per carry average. Yep. This guy's effective. And, you know, maybe it's just certain times, maybe I'm looking at as a little bit more of a, a smaller sample size. I know you guys follow the Packers closer than I do, uh, but I'm a big Rodgers guy. And so that's why I ding them with love a little bit. But overall, their talent is on par with anybody else sure. in the division. When you look at the 20 other 21 players, I mean, they're still solid defensively. They were a little bit inconsistent. You know, you go back two years ago when they lost to the uh, 49ers. That was not on the defense. That was on no. the offense. Special teams, too. So, yeah, but, I mean, what I'm saying is they're still solid. They don't have to be great. It's not like you look there and you go, dude, we got Mahomes, Joe Burrow, and Josh Allen in this division. You really count well, You count on the defenses with Sean Gary getting back to yeah. form after a torn ACL. You count on Kenny Clark, who's had – had a bit of a decline in production at times, I getting think, back I think he's to the, okay. yeah, getting you know getting back to a measure he was earlier in the career. If he's able to uh, to improve on some of the things in the trenches there, but it is interesting to note that a lot of respected money has come in on the Packers as that long shot in the division. Just viewing that there are a lot of outcomes that could happen in the NFC North. Packers were at one point five to one. They've been bet down to four to one. Co third choice uh, there with Chicago this year. The one other thing I'm curious too is how this the offense from a tempo standpoint looks them all because. Yeah. Like Aaron Rodgers dictated the tempo of that offense last year was the slowest one in the league from a snap to snap perspective with Matt LaFleur as a play caller. You have Jordan Love who ran a lot of up tempo at at Utah state has been in the system. Now, will they be willing to try to give opposing defenses a different look and go, you know what? 
let, let's not just hold the ball for 40 seconds every play. Let's get on the ball. Let's try to do different things. Keep defenses off balance. That's the one wrinkle that people aren't really considering with what Love can bring. No, you're absolutely right. It's going to be interesting to see how they approach it. And you mentioned, uh, you know, this team and what they're capable with Love under center. The one thing I like is this team opens at the Bears. Winnable game. I think they're about a two and a half, maybe a three-point dog. They're at the Falcons. Very winnable game. You get the Saints at home, good spot, and then you get the Lions on a Thursday night football. So, Ben, I'm not saying that they've got to be 4-0 to open, but this team has a chance, and if you bet them at 4-1, to and these division odds are continuously fluctuating throughout the course of the season, you can be in a situation where you put yourself in a position to be at least profitable or break even on it and then kind of free roll the Packers to a potential division title. I'm not, Look, I'm not suggesting this team is going to be great, but I think in a division that has a lot of question marks and a ton of uncertainty – I think Green Bay at four to one is not a bad look. That's a great point to make, especially about the schedule early on. Week yeah. six by there will be uh, over under forty five uh, thousand cheeseheads at Allegiant Stadium. Come week five, Monday Night Football. That's another thing you got to consider. Why? There are no more flights out of Green Bay or well, Madison or I mean, Milwaukee? That's, you know, that's yeah. only going to be 45,000. When, when Bucky Badger used to play here against UNLV, the whole stadium was filled with Wisconsin. And that's when they'd tell you, why? No, that's when UNLV would use it for their team uh, photo because the, <laughs> the stadium was packed and it was full of Badger red, but nobody could tell the difference. Hour number two in the books here on VEASAN Sharp Money. Zach Cohen, VEASAN writer and editor, joins us right after the break. Discover a new educational and interactive podcast, Stories for Kids by Lingo Kids. Our episodes are packed with fun activities. Right, Elliot? Oh, yes! We went shape hunting around the block, and we found spheres and cubes on the street. That was great fun. Join Stories for Kids, the Lingo Kids podcast, inspiring you to learn while having fun. Listen to Stories for Kids on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.